The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What does it mean to cry out to God? To call out in desperation, crying out in anger or frustration or fear? None of that sounds much like the way we pray in church. Doesn't match our staid collects found in the book of common prayer. Those collected prayers of the church are important and powerful prayers. Prayers composed to capture a wide array of human emotion and need, but they are more like William Wordsworth's description of poetry, emotion recollected in tranquility than raw calling upon the name of the Lord. Both are necessary. And the prayers we use in the daily office and Sunday Eucharist also have the added and important characteristic of being beautiful, providing language when our own words fail. But we're in a raw time right now. And I wonder, are you calling out to God? Are you crying out in fear or anger or frustration? Sometimes I hesitate to do so, yet these days I find I pray in really one of two ways, sheer silence and short, sharp cries, known as ejaculatory prayers, brief prayers from the heart. In our tradition, these are prayers like the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, only son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, or even shorter, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, or snippets of scripture. Monks of old used to say all day long, Lord, make speed to save me, Lord, make haste to help me. And we, of course, open evening prayer every day with those very words. These days, I find that the most I can manage is, oh God, or help, or please. Some days, all I can do is mutter Jesus, which is somewhere between swear and prayer. How about you? How are you praying these days? Are you praying? I hope you are. I hope you're crying out to God, complaining, cajoling, begging, yelling. After all, that's what we see all throughout scripture. It's certainly what we see today in each one of our readings whether it's Elijah, the prophet, who has done all that God has asked, been successful, and then found the tables turned 
as his life is threatened by Jezebel, hounded into the desert, leaving behind a people where still too many worship false gods. His life has not turned out the way he had planned. This is not what he had in mind when God called him to serve. So he complains, justifies himself, blames others, throws a pity party. He's disappointed, frustrated, angry with God. He pours all that out. And then he has promised that God will appear, which God does, but not in thunder or fire or the earth shaking, but in sheer silence. What used to be translated as the still small voice. Suddenly, Elijah knows God is present, is with him in absolute quiet. He's in the presence of the holy. And what does he have to say to God then? The exact same complaint, word for word, that he poured out earlier, mad at God, blaming others, justifying himself. And God has a word for him in that. God points him to a new path, provides help for him, provides hope. In Matthew, the disciples have just seen an amazing thing, 5,000 fed from a couple loaves and fish, but now they're out on a boat, tossed in a storm. When they see Jesus walking towards them on the sea, they're terrified, crying out in fear as they face a storm, and now what they think is a ghost. Jesus encourages them, telling them not to fear, and Peter asks for the grace to come to Jesus on the water, which Jesus grants. Halfway there, Peter notices just how windy it is, how choppy the waves, and in his fear begins to sink. Wisely, he calls out, Lord, save me. And he does. Two very, very different circumstances. Sheer silence versus loud winds. A sheltered cave versus choppy waters. Yet both Elijah and Peter know instinctively what Paul promises in his letter to the Romans. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Elijah calls out in anger and frustration. Peter calls out in fear and desperation. But both assume, both know that God is for them. God will act, and God does. Notice here that their goodness, their faithfulness, doesn't matter very much. Jesus lightly chastises Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Yet we know that little faith is enough. After all, if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, it will suffice. And that even those of little faith will be clothed as beautifully as the lilies of the field. God doesn't rely upon our faith. God acts when we ask. If you hear nothing else in what I say this morning, hear this. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have the right words. We don't have to know all the scripture or possess a deep faith. All we need remember is this. When we're in trouble, 
when life hasn't turned out the way we wanted, when we're mad and frustrated, when we're afraid, waters rising up to our neck, winds roaring in our ears, when we're about to drown, call out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. That's the prayer when we're overwhelmed and drowning. That's the prayer that recognizes God's saving power. Jesus reaches out, pulls Peter into the boat, stills the storm in that moment. Jesus is the limb held out to the drowning, not just in this storm, the one we're in right this moment, but in the cosmic storm in which we're all tossed all the time. Jesus saves us by climbing onto the limb of the cross, not saving himself in order that he might save us. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. When you're in trouble, call on the name of the Lord. Save me and know for sure he already has. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.